Okay, I'm going to, if it's cool with you guys, pull that off. Morning, everyone. Or is it, it is morning, yes. Uh, thanks, Kabeto. I'm, just for those of you who don't know me, my name's Brad. Uh, and just to give you a little bit of background, I come from a, a traditional radio background. Uh, I've done it all. I started out on on campus radio just up the road here at UJ uh, and that was 20 years ago probably around this month and then from there went into retail radio it was quite funny with Justine Smith here a couple of seconds ago because I used to work for AdSat that was my first paying radio gig was in radio pick and pay I could tell you about all the specials uh, <laughs> and then from there just worked my way went into community radio uh, went into into commercial radio from there went into talk radio uh, and, and I've pretty much worked right throughout. And until last week, Friday, I was employed with SAFM and decided that I've had enough of conventional radio and I'm going full-time into this. I've been doing digital, online, podcasting, building tribes uh, for a while. I started my first podcast back in 2009, which, I mean, the podcast landscape is still the Wild West. 2009 was crazy. I mean, the stuff that was going on then and there wasn't, there wasn't lots of action. Uh, I mean, still today, people aren't 100% sure what a podcast is. Uh, back then, no one knew what a podcast was. And I've told this story before, and, and I'm going to ask, I want to try and keep the session as interactive as possible, but the thing, when the penny first dropped for me was shortly after I started my first podcast. I wanted to, to run Comrades. Uh, that was what I was planning on doing, and I thought to hold myself accountable, I'm going to start this audio, blog, podcast thing, whatever it was. And this was back in, in 2009. And it was in the build-up to the Football World Cup. I ran my first comrades in 2010. And around that time, I was doing the afternoon drive at Highfelt. And things were, life was just really busy. Uh, had just had a, a baby and, and things were, were, were quite hectic. And I, and I left the podcasting because we weren't getting massive traction. Nobody really knew what a podcast was back in 2009, 2010. And a couple of years later, I went back and looked at the download numbers. I hadn't done anything with it. And we were doing more downloads two years after I stopped doing it than we were when we were doing it. And I thought to myself, hang on a sec. There's something here. Because when I was on commercial radio, I had to go in every day. If I didn't go in, there was no show. And, and for me, that was a huge mindset shift. Was the changing of thinking that this piece of content lives forever. And that was mind-blowing. I mean, as a radio person, that really excited me. I didn't have to keep doing the same thing over and over. And it, it was just this epiphany. And that was when I really started digging into this online space and, and, and growing these sort of things. So, how's it? So, from a, a building platforms perspective, I, I want to try and challenge some beliefs here today because that's one of the biggest frustrations that I have. I'm going to, I want to talk about the elephant in, in the room. Okay, so that was, that was the background. Let me, let me ask, and I'm going to ask this question seriously, how many of you guys know what a podcast is? Like, if somebody says to you in the street, what is a podcast? You've got a 60 second answer that's not going to confuse the living daylights out of them. Is everyone... No one, okay, there's a few people in here that aren't 100% sure. So in its purest form, I'm going to talk technically what it is. All it is, it's an audio file, an MP3 file, that lives on a server somewhere on the internet that someone can access whenever they want to access it. Think PVR for radio. That's probably the easiest way, or Netflix for radio. That's the easiest way to, 
to, to think about what that file is. There's lots of technical things on how that file gets there and how it gets recorded and, and, and how people download and subscribe through RSS feeds, which I'm going to touch on a little bit today. But that information is quite easy to access and find out. There's a lot more to it and, and growing audiences and, and, and building communities around these things. Good morning, everyone. Come in. How's it? How's it? How's it? Grab a seat. Cool. All right, so I want to talk about the elephant in the room, and this is the million-dollar question, is how do you make money from these things? Because that's what commercial radio stations are trying to figure out. That's what community radio stations are trying to figure out. And how many of you guys come from a traditional radio background, work in radio now? Whether it's paying or non-paying, most of the room, that's cool. How do radio stations generate revenue today? Where, where does the revenue come from? Advertising. Advertising is the biggest. I mean, there might be events and that sort of thing, but it's advertising. So what happens is a radio station builds a platform. In order to sell advertising, they need as many people as they can to listen to that piece of audio on radio that they can then sell that audience, that attention span, to advertisers. <coughs> In my mind, I'm probably going to ruffle a few feathers, that model is broken. Because people are needing to spend more and more money to reach fewer and fewer eyeballs because there's more competition. There's more radio stations. There's more uh, print media. There's more television stations. So you're spending more money to reach smaller audiences. And as a radio station, in order to build your audience, you've got to go really wide. I call it lowest common denominator radio. In order to reach the most people, you've got to dumb things down. Because if you're talking about astrophysics on the breakfast show on a radio station, you're going to have maybe two listeners. Those two listeners are going to be really engaged. They're going to listen to that breakfast show for three hours, but the rest of the audience is gone. And that is one of the challenges that, in my mind, traditional radio is facing, is in order to, to build their base, they've got to be really generic. And it's, it's difficult. I mean, I've, I've been there. I've seen it. So... That, in my mind, is one of the biggest challenges facing radio today. And what's happening is a lot of radio stations are moving into the online space because everyone's saying you need to be online and digital and podcast this, podcast that. But they're taking that same mindset and they're just putting it online. It does not work. For the same reason, and, and let me use an example. If I'm into, and I'm going to use a sporting example, a lot of the stuff that we do is sport-related. If I dig tennis, Wimbledon's on at the moment, right? I love tennis. If I'm into tennis and I listen to a normal breakfast radio show on air now, whether it be 947, whether it's East Coast, whether it's Jacaranda, whoever it is, and I'm into tennis, how much tennis content am I getting in an hour of breakfast radio? Ten seconds if I'm lucky when they give me the results of who lost yesterday. Ten seconds. I've got to listen to 59 minutes and 50 seconds of other stuff to get the 10 seconds of tennis that I like. Or I can go online and find a tennis podcast where they talk to Rafael Nadal, they talk to Serena Williams. I can get an hour of tennis. Hit the subscribe button and it gets sent to my, to my device. So that's where the big mindset shift is coming, where you're taking traditional radio and putting it in the digital space you're not going to get the traction you want if you are being as broad as you are on traditional radio, which poses a massive problem. 
if you're not doing that, you're not getting the big numbers. You're not getting a million people listening to a podcast. So where, where's the benefit for the advertiser? And that's the dilemma. What comes first, the chicken or the egg? Correct. Correct. And that's the key, and I'm going to get into that. That's, we're just talking about the. Sorry, I'm going to repeat that question because it is being it is it is being recorded for a podcast after this. So, so the point's being made is from an correct me if I'm wrong here, but from an engagement point of view, if if you're listening to something that you're really engaged in, the 10 seconds of tennis, you are an active listener. You are really into that content. The rest of the time, you're pretty passive. It's background noise, and you're not really listening. So, for an advertiser's perspective. That ad is not going to get the same sort of traction it would if it was smack bang in the middle of that 10-second tennis report. It's, it's a totally different listening experience. And, and I wanted to mention earlier, but this is, this is it was uh, one of the guys that spoke last night at the pod meet. Was, who was at the pod meet last night? Was there anybody? Okay, we had a couple. It was Zub said this to me. He didn't say it in the pod meet, but he said it afterwards. And if you take anything out of today, let it be this, because I love this. He said... When you move people from listening with their ears to listening with their hearts, the switch flips. Think about that. Get people to move from listening with their ears to listening with their hearts, and that's when the magic starts happening. So that, that's the biggest sort of stumbling block at the moment with, with conventional thinking going into the online space because... Everyone's thinking advertising is the way to make money off these things. And I'm going to talk about some, some monetization strategies a bit later on, how we've monetized our platforms. And there is a role for advertising. Don't get me wrong. There is definitely a role for advertising and podcasting. But it's not exactly the way you think. I mean, think about it. If you've got a podcast and you started a podcast and you're getting 20 listens or 200 listens or 2,000 listens, and you go to an advertiser, what are they going to say to you? They're not interested because at the moment, radio stations are selling in the millions. And, and for advertisers, they also need to wrap their head around. Would you rather advertise to someone who's listening for 10 seconds of tennis and the rest of the time it's passive? Or would you rather advertise to 2,000 people and, and use bids, bids for Africa as an example on a tennis podcast? But let's say Wilson Tennis Rackets. Every single person listening to that tennis podcast is probably someone who plays tennis, so they all buy tennis rackets. So it makes sense advertising there. You might not be reaching 2 million people, but you're reaching 2,000 people who will buy your product. It's a different audience. And what happens is when you start doing that, you can start charging premiums for those sort of audiences. So that just bear that in mind. I, I, I want to, while I start running through things, is just to change that paradigm shift. Don't think of it as you're going in to build these massive audiences to sell to advertisers. And I'll get into to some more detail in a moment. So, the biggest thing I can tell you today is niche down. And what do I mean by that? Uh, I mentioned the lowest common denominator where you try and reach as many people as possible. In the, the podcast space, and I'm going to, again, use the sporting example. If you want to start a sport podcast... My suggestion, don't do general sport podcast. 
Do a tennis podcast or do a football podcast. Go even further. Do a podcast on Mamelodi Sundowns or a specific team. You want to get someone so engaged with your content that when they listen to it, they feel like they're home. You get them. That you're not, if they're into sundowns, and you're talking about, well, let's talk Pirates and Chiefs. How many Pirates fans are going to listen to an hour of what's going on at Kaiser Chiefs? Unless it's really bad, they're going to listen to it. But that, that's what I mean, is you really need to niche down as deep as possible. And, and this scares people. Because people are coming to this space where you need a million people. You don't need a million people. Find the thousand people or the two thousand people that listen with their hearts, not their ears. So we were talking about it. It popped up in the pod meet as well last night. Often you'll hear people say, I'm going to start a podcast that's aimed at 40-year-old women around the world. We're going to speak to 40-year-old women around the world. There's a lot of them, that's for sure. But what are they into? You've got to find a subset in there. Speak to single moms who are 40 years old who live in Polokwane. Correct. Because when they find your content and you're speaking to them, that's where they're going to stay. There's loyalty in that when they listen with their hearts. And people discover content differently to the way they discover content traditionally on radio. It's easy to listen to content on radio. You just flip through your dial. If you don't like what Jack is doing, a couple of spots and you at 947. Don't like what 947 is doing, a couple of spots you at Metro. And that's how people listen on radio. Why? Because there's no real loyalty. Because you don't get them with their hearts. Podcasting is slightly different because there's a couple of barriers to entry to find the content you want. But I always say that, how many people here listen to podcasts? Like, lots. Is there anybody here who doesn't listen to radio who only listens to podcasts? Okay. That happens. <laughs> I'm one of them <laughs> as well. And you get to a point where you realize there's this other world out there, content-wise, where people get you. Where you don't have to listen to who's the, I don't even listen to radio, so who's the big artist at the moment? Justin Bieber, I don't know. No, or like if you hate Taylor Swift, why are you listening to a radio station that plays Taylor Swift or whoever? That, that's the point I'm trying to make is there's this box of content that's there. You just need to go and find it. And once you take that lid off, you can never put that lid back on. You know too much. And there's no going back because you'll put the radio on once you've listened to a couple of months of podcasts of stuff where you listen with your heart. And you go, hang on a sec. And more and more people are taking that lid off that box. And it's up to us as content creators, if we want to capitalize on it, to put stuff in that box. And anyone can do it. And that's what I'm going to run through today. It's literally, there's the barriers to entries in the old days when I started in radio 20 years ago, you needed a Centec tower if you wanted to get into this industry. Now you need a smartphone. Who's got smartphones? Everyone in the room. There's no reason why you can't be, why you can't be doing this. So <laughs> have, I, have I driven the home the, the point about niching down and, and the importance of niching down? Okay, so I mean, we were talking about it earlier from a, from a sporting perspective. 
I, I mean, I've made that point. I'm not going to. I'm not going to dig into it anymore. Okay, let's talk about frequency and format. Obviously, radio stations. Again, if you're coming with that mindset, there's clocks and this works and it's always worked that way. All of that goes out the window in podcasting. What works? I don't know. You need to figure it out. One thing I can tell you is don't do what everyone else is doing. If everyone's zigging, zag. There's a book by a guy called Marty Newmeyer called Zag that talks about that. When everyone's moving in one direction, go the other way. I'll give you an example. We've got a podcast. And there's a bit of a backstory to it. It's a triathlon podcast that I started many years ago. And I was just getting into the sport and I wanted to figure my own way out and that's why we did it. And we were, it was based specifically on triathlon in South Africa, which is a really small subset. It's a small niche. And at its peak, we were probably getting 6,000 downloads a month, which isn't massive. But every single one of those people were triathletes in South Africa. They were listening to it. And I wanted to grow this thing, but I think there's probably only 6,000 triathletes in South Africa. So it wasn't going to grow here. So we were focusing on the entire sport, all the different distances. And in triathlon, you get short ones, you get long ones. And, and I was talking to amateur athletes, and I was talking to professional athletes. And I decided, you know what, there's one race. It's in Hawaii every year. It's called Ironman World Championships in Kona. And there's all the pros race there, all the best in the world. But there's a huge competitive area in, in what they call age group athletes. That's the top amateur athletes. No one was talking to these guys. If you listen to triathlon podcasts online, they were all like an hour, two hours long, which is cool because people spend time on their bikes and they're on treadmills so they can listen to it. But they were long. Like, for me, life's too short to listen to a two-hour podcast. Jeez, like I've got an attention span of a goldfish. Two hours is a long time. So I thought, what can we do that's different here? So I focused not on, and everyone was talking to the professional athletes. No one was talking to these amateur guys. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast talking to these amateur guys. And I'm going to make them short. And instead of making it once every two weeks, like everyone else was doing, I was going to do it every day. So I was doing a short five, seven-minute snippet every single day with a different athlete. It was a hell of a lot of work. But all of a sudden, it was something new in that space. That podcast still does five or 6,000 downloads in South Africa. So we still got the same audience. It's a different feed, but it's the same audience that listen to it. About 1.5% of our audience is in South Africa. We, this year, we'll do a million downloads on that podcast. And it's focusing on one race that 3,000 people race a year. That's it. But we zagged when everyone else was zigging. And now people have seen the success of that podcast and there's other ones springing up doing similar sort of things. So now the challenge is, how do we change that? And that's what you need to think of. Don't do what the masses are doing. People often say to me, how often do we publish podcasts? How long is a piece of string? What must the format be? Is it an interview style? Is it like NPR narrative style? How long is a piece of string? The good news is, it doesn't cost anything to test. You don't have to build a Centec tower. Through Iono, if, if you want to get into podcasting, and I'm going to talk about the technical side of it now, but they've got a package that will host audio files for free. It's a small package. You can probably do a podcast a week. Test. If it doesn't work, take it behind the barn, shoot it. Start another one. It's, it's, all I can say is I'm glad I'm not a heart surgeon because I've killed lots of podcasts. And I would have killed patients. So you've just got to test things. It, it, the, you've got this massive opportunity, and you don't know what's going to work. 
You've got to test things. But niche down, find someone who's going to listen with their heart and not their ears. Because those guys will become the biggest advocates for what you're doing. They'll share what you're doing. They know other people are into what they're into. And that's when you start getting traction in these things. Okay, so that's the frequency and format. I mean, there's lots of different styles. One thing you need to bear in mind as well, particularly if you're doing this as a, if you're an independent, you've got to be wary of costs. If you work for a big media house, you still need to be wary of costs. But there are certain ways to do things on a budget. And I mean, like the NPR style, those narrator style podcasts are resource intensive. I wouldn't suggest starting that out as your first one. Like seriously, that, you can do it. But because you're testing things, you don't want to throw the kitchen sink at it and it doesn't work. Put your toe in the water, do interview style. My, for me, the easiest way to start a podcast, interview style. Find people who have got audiences already and profile them if you want to start out. And then you can change, you can change the format later, but that'll get you into the routine of doing this thing. And that was one of the, the reasons why that triathlon podcast has been successful, is no one was talking to those athletes. So when they get interviewed on a podcast, they're telling everyone they know, people want to be like, hey, cool, check, I was on this podcast. And they're telling other triathletes, and because the content was good, people stuck around, and they listened with their hearts. So there's lots. You can do just one person talking. You can do... Uh, interview style and you don't need studios and the best equipment yes it's nice to have but it's not a has to have don't let that stand in your way of creating content we started the first podcast i started was on a 300 rand wharfdale microphone it was on a gemini six to six mixer that i used to do weddings with djing weddings and that was it I used to record onto my old little pc editing software called audacity it's free <laughs> I still use it. But, but that's what I'm saying is you don't need Pro Tools, Adobe Audition, Studio with soundproofing. You know how often, and it's, it's actually quite funny, but people will listen to a podcast of mine and I'll get a message on social media saying, oh, we love hearing your dogs barking in the background. <laughs> Things don't need to be perfect. Half ass beats no ass every day of the week. That, that's, if that's like really... Just take action. Do things. And that's where the frequency and format is. Is find something that works for you. <coughs> a five-day-a-week podcast or seven-day-a-week podcast is a lot of work. Because as you'll see just now, I'm going to talk about the promotion and building audiences because that's where the magic happens. It's not sitting in a studio recording and uploading a file. That's the easy work. Anyone can do that. It's the actual getting that piece of content in front of the right person. That's where the magic happens. So... Get your toe in the water, set a, a frequency that you can stick to because consistency really makes a big difference here. A lot of, a lot of people are, are suggesting going the, the season route, like a lot of, I mean, like Serial. I mean, who's heard of Serial as a podcast? Okay, there's a few people. If you haven't listened to it, do yourself a favor, go and listen to podcasts like that. Go and find, and, and I want to urge you, I know a lot of people saying that I don't, there's like everyone listens to radio. Go and just go through the iTunes store. I don't know what device you've got or through. Go download Stitcher and just find content that you're into and listen to what's out there and listen to things like Serial. And I mean, I'm into a lot of business podcasts. So I listen to like Planet Money and that sort of stuff. And just get ideas. Pick little bits from what everyone's doing and come up with your own thing. Don't do exactly what everyone else is doing. That's what I was talking about, the zagging. But just use it for inspiration. There's no right or wrong way to do this thing. What works for me might not work for you. 
You've got to test and try things. So pick a frequency that works for you. Don't over, like, go, because it's easy to get excited and go, this is awesome, I'm going to do a seven-day week. After two weeks, you're going, oh, why did I decide to do that? So whether it be once a week or once every two weeks, but stick to that religiously. We were talking to Andile last night, who does the African Tech Roundup. And he was talking to Chilu and, and Zabzu, who do Key African Unlocked, that podcast. They've just started, I think, they're on episode 13 or 14. And Andile said to them, they were talking about monetizing and how to, and he said to them, how many episodes have you done? And I said, 13. He said, come back to me when you've done 100. Because things start happening once you do things for a while. People often expect to get results really soon. They, they, over, they underestimate how much work it is and they overestimate like how quick this is going to happen. So just sell out to doing something, whether it's once a week, 100 episodes is two years that you're doing this thing. So just consistency and build this thing and keep going and keep learning and keep changing and, and, and just keep trying things. Two years down the line, you'll have an audience. But you've got to see this thing through. So often, I mean, you go to the iTunes store, there's dead podcast bodies and corpses lying everywhere. And look how many episodes they've done. They've done five or six. People think they're going to hit the jackpot. And the reason I'm saying that is people look at podcasts like Serial, and those guys have won the lotto, if you think about it. They are, th those are unicorns. They're few and far between. If you get one, good for you. The rest of us have to slog and build audiences, and it takes time. I'd love to win the lotto. You've got to buy tickets. I'm not prepared to buy tickets, but I'm prepared to work hard. And that's, and that's one thing. If you just keep doing the work, it'll come if you build it deliberately. And that's why I mentioned branding. So often we see it, and, and it's an ego thing, and I think it comes from radio. I've seen it all along. If I did a podcast on business, and I called it the Brad Brown Show, who's Brad Brown? Or the Joe Soap? Brand your podcast for what it is. Talk to your audience. You can always put your name on there later as it grows. I know it's an ego thing. I want to have my name in lights. That's, that's people for you. Brand it the way someone, that, that if someone who's in your target audience, who would listen with their heart, as soon as they read it, they'll get it. Just flip through a podcast like an iTunes and look how many guys, it's the Billy Bob Joe show. Who the hell is Billy Bob Joe? Who cares who Billy Bob Joe is? The triathlon podcast of ours, and I'll, I'll give you the name. It's not going to ring a bell unless you're into triathlon. It's not going to mean anything. It's called the Kona Edge. If you saw that in the iTunes store, you'd go, well, what the hell is the Kona Edge? But if someone's into triathlon, the word Kona, you say Kona, and it goes, there's angels that sing. Triathletes get it. And that's what you need to do. Is you need to figure out a brand that your target audience gets. And there's lots of good examples in the iTunes store, and there's lots of bad examples. Just go and flick through there. And that's the difference, what I was saying, about flicking through a radio dial as opposed to listening to podcasts and, and, and discovering new podcasts. Is people don't just flick through and find one by accident. It's a deliberate decision. They see a 1400 by 1400 pixel in an iTunes store, and that's what grabs their attention. So the branding is really important. You can change it down the line. It's not set in stone. That's the cool thing. So that if you build an audience, you can then call it the Billy Bob Joe Show because you've then got the audience. You, you get what I'm saying? So that, that's really important. The look and feel of it, if it's about football, put a flipping football on the thing. If it's about knitting, put knitting needles on the thing. 
Don't have a picture of your face. No one cares who you are. They might later on, unless you're famous, famous. But you'll be a lot more famous if you actually tell people what your podcast is about. It's not about you. can be. But get that branding right. Spend time on, on getting that branding 100%. It'll make a big difference down the line. Okay, gear and production. Last year, I went into this and I showed people how to edit. <coughs> YouTube is your friend. If you want to learn anything, YouTube. I can sit here and show you how to edit podcasts till the cows come home. Go to YouTube. Like, I'm not going to go into that now. If that's what you're hoping for, I'm sorry to disappoint you. YouTube's your friend. You can learn anything. You want to learn to weave baskets underwater, YouTube's your friend. And that's... that's from, from this point of view, from, from uh, what you need gear-wise, people will tell you you need soundproof walls. You don't. You need a microphone. You need something to be able to edit on. And that's it. And an internet connection to upload the sound file. So there's lots of ways to skin a cat. You can, there's, a, there's an app. If you don't have access to studios and you've got a smartphone, there's an app called Twisted Wave which is, I think it's like 50 or 60 bucks in the App Store. I bought it a couple of years ago. I'm not sure what it is now. You can record into that. You don't even need to plug a mic in. You can use your phone as the mic. Record into that. You can edit that. You can download. You can uh, export the file as an MP3. That's all you need. You don't need this massive million rand studio. If you've got it, what a bonus. But don't let that stand in your way. From a gear perspective, again, how long is a piece of string? Like, it's nice to have great gear, but it's not going to stop someone from doing this or being successful. I'm not saying make your sound quality junk. Try and get it as best as you can for the budget that you have. If you're recording on your phone, if you've got an iPhone, the quality is good. But if you're standing next to a highway when you're recording, it's going to sound horrible. So bear things like that in mind. Get into a quiet room. Uh, just do as best as you can with what you've got. You can always upgrade later. I mean, we've... Over the years, we've bought gear. I mean, we've got proper, proper gear now, but that's because we've built our business that way. We've bootstrapped it, and as we got money in, we've upgraded, and, and that's the best way to do it. Don't go and bomb 100,000 Rand on studio if you don't have an audience. Build slowly, and, and I'm talking for the independent. Yeah, I know there's lots of guys that work for radio stations and that sort of thing, but in my mind, it's the independent podcasters that are changing the world. It's not the big radio stations, they're coming in again with that mindset of trying to, to really get as many earballs on a podcast as possible and they're missing the mark. So what, what do you need? Smartphone. That's the easiest. If you're doing interview shows, you can chat to somebody, record it, boom, Bob's your uncle. Skype is great if you're doing interview shows with people overseas. And, and that's also, I just want to expand your mind a bit. Don't just think South Africa. The world is your oyster. You don't have to focus just on South Africa. Niche down, I'm not saying not niche down, but there's more people outside of South Africa than there are in South Africa, which is <laughs> logical. But that's what I'm saying. Is smartphone to start with is, is more than good enough. If you can get a little mixing desk and a couple of good microphones, winner. Plug it into a computer, off you go. There's lots of, of free software. We mentioned something called Audacity. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, it's, it's sound editing software. You can download it. It's free. It's open source. And <coughs> unless you really know what you're doing, I mean, that's like Adobe Edition is great. But like, if you don't know what you're doing, it's pointless. I mean, cut, delete, 
Audacity does that. Unless you're doing all the post-production, then cool. But, I mean, I know guys who've got multi-million dollar podcasting businesses that still edit and record into, into Audacity. One thing I will advise on, and this is something that we've done over the years, is we don't actually record into Audacity. We record hard state onto SD cards. Just from a stability point of view, I've lost too many recordings with computers crashing and that sort of thing. So we've got, in, in our sort of studio at our, at our offices, mixing desk, little eight-channel mixing desk, nothing fancy, a couple of uh, short SMB the 08s, I think. Had them for a few years. Uh, and we record into a Tascam. There's the actual Tascam that's sitting outside the, the venue here. Onto a mini SD card, which we then, once it's recorded, we upload and we then edit and, and all of that sort of thing. So you don't need to spend millions of rand. If you've got it, cool. If not, that's cool too. So from a, a file and a feed perspective, this is where it starts getting a little bit technical. One thing I would suggest is having a home base, and I'm going to talk about promoting and, and the reason why in a second, but having a home base, if you've got a podcast, build a website for it, and it's never been easier to build a website, you don't need massive technical skills, WordPress again, open source, get yourself a little template and you're good to go. When we first started, we were uploading our sound files onto our servers, which is cool when you don't have an audience. When you start getting an audience, it's not so cool because it just slows everything down and, and it, it, it affects the, the sort of end user's experience. So what? Th there's lots of them again. Which is the best? How long is a piece of string? There's, you want to host your audio file on a, a podcast-specific host, and there's lots of them. I like, I personally use Iono.fm. It's a South African startup. They're based in Cape Town. Uh, you don't have to, but they've got a free package. So if you're just starting out, I know costs are, are, are an issue. That'll be enough to get you going for the first sort of year's worth of, of podcasting. And by that time, you should be generating a little bit of income, which you can then upgrade, or you can move to another host. But Iono is one of them. Uh, there's something called Lipsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. Uh, they host as well. Something called Blueberry. Uh, I'm trying to think what others. There's, there's a whole bunch of them. They're all pretty much the same. Some maybe have better analytics than others, uh, but they all do the same thing. Get yourself a hosting account and get it on there. They then give you embeddable players that you just copy a piece of code and you can post it onto your website. And you'll also get what they call an RSS feed. Who knows what an RSS feed? Okay, there's a few people. What an RSS feed is it's basically just a website URL that you can tell what they call RSS readers that you're going to be uploading content onto this web page, essentially, and they keep checking it, and it, what it does is it just pings. So every time you upload a piece of content, it pings everyone who subscribed to that RSS feed, and it goes and fetches that file. And that's how things like iTunes work and Stitcher and that sort of thing. You're uploading it to an audio uh, server, and they then, every time it uploads, it pings all the services, and you can download it. It shows up in there, you hit the button, and it downloads from your host. So technically, it's quite complicated, but you only set that up once, and again, YouTube's your friend. If I know Iona have got tutorials on how to do it and, and where to post it into iTunes to get it syndicated and that sort of thing. That stuff's easy to find out. Those are the, the, the easy bits. So the, the feed is important. You can move that thing as well. It's, it does get a bit complicated. So if you're changing hosts, you've got to be careful that you don't lose that feed because all your subscribers are linked to that feed. So to move it from one host to another can become a bit, a bit more technical. From a, an audio quality perspective, you want to upload that file in the best audio quality that you can, even if it is a big file. Upload it in the best audio quality that you can. Services like Iono 
give the end user the option of the quality they want to download. So it affects the size of the file. So there's always a lot of talk about, oh, data stands in the way of people listening to podcasts. Iono, you can choose low, medium, high, or top, like broadcast quality. But you don't want to upload it in low, because then when someone chooses low from that, it makes it even smaller, and it sounds horrific. So upload it in the best quality possible, and then let the end user choose. And I don't know if Lipson, I haven't checked them out for a while, but one thing I love about Iona, particularly if we're building in the South African and African context, data is an issue. I don't think it's stopping people listening, but you've got to be cognizant at the end of the day as well. So that, I think, is the, the best sort of way. So check out Iono.fm. I think they, they are brilliant what they do. This is, this is the magic. I know we're doing this over two sessions. So I think if it's cool, I'm going to take a, should we do a, a five-minute break? If, I don't know if anybody needs to go to the loo and that sort of thing, but this is the important bit. If you only listen to this, this is what the magic is with growing these things. The rest of the stuff anyone can do, but this is where it, where it all happens. And I'm going to go into some real technical stuff on how to build audiences. So if it's cool with you, I'm five minutes before the end of the first session, and then we're going to go into the second one. So if you want to take a quick loo break, and we'll be back in five minutes if that's cool. <laughs>